2: sport of time Yotis b i've got john here hi john hi brandon and i also have got Stuart. hello stewart
3: oh
2: huh uh first blush it's fine it's, it's okay i like the enthusiasm i thought you're gonna i thought you're gonna follow up with something else beyond woo doggy but i don't know it's no. good john john what do you think about that intro
3: uh, I like it because it sounds like Stu is a member of Booger in the Sports Pit, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> sure does. Yeah, that's our sweet I do spot. A, I, I like to do a four and a half hour sports talk show out of Little Rock, Arkansas, that type of thing, yeah. Yep. yep. That's you. Woo Doggy. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right.
3: There's a lot of talk about a local middle school where everybody on the basketball team gets an equal amount of playing time and what that says about America. That's that's the Booger (laughs) and the Sports Fit promise.
2: Yeah. Uh, Woo doggy, we got a good show for you tonight uh, or today whenever you're listening. Uh, Either way, it's happening. Uh, Let's start out with uh, a memorial for uh, Paul Malvator, another fallen soldier here. Uh, That kind of came out of left field. Was
3: that expected by – did anybody see that coming? I don't know about Stu, but I really did not. I I expected them to keep Molitor, because why would you fire him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, now in retrospect you realize that that second half surge of last year pretty much saved his job and not get into the playoffs this year, despite the numerous things that went wrong that weren't his fault um, was enough to you know, get him give him the deuce, but um you know, I think uh, just on handling bullpens alone, I think you could probably <laughs> justify it. Um, I just think right there, that's a, that would have been like, you know, uh, if you drafted Christian Ponder, you're, you probably got to go. Uh, this is a, probably justifiable just on that alone. So, yeah, I'm and I was surprised, but I think it was probably, you could justify it pretty easily.
2: And he's not going to be. Finding himself managing a team anytime soon, right? I mean, this is basically—is has, has he now been banished to like the, the Bill Smith purgatory, like just coffee runs and some advanced scouting?
3: Well, he's kind of playing out I the string for his contract. If I remember right, he has fairly young children, so I don't necessarily think that he's about to pick up and go be the bench coach for the Rockies or something like that. Hold on. He's got young children? I, I have a vague memory that that's true. Not like they're two and four, but he still has kids in school, if I remember correctly. Wow. I thought he was, like, way older than anybody thought. I thought he was, like, 60. I, well, I think you're getting confused because he looks like he leaves the nursing home every day to go well, to the ballpark and coach. But uh, it's a he's,
2: uh, he's unfortunate side effect of 20 years of a bad cocaine habit. I bet right. he
3: he he is younger than that. But he is th- this is just my memory. So I'm going to need I might just call Wade and get him to sure. check this live. But my memory is that one of the reasons that he wasn't sure if he wanted to take the job in the first place was that he still had he still had kids in school and stuff like that and wasn't sure that he was ready to be away from them. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't, I don't necessarily think this is the typical situation where you you he's going to go find another one of his buddies in baseball and he's going to be a bench coach for two years and then the Diamondbacks will want a new manager and he'll take over for the Diamondbacks or whatever. I I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. It always sort of felt like it was the Twins' job or no job for him. Paul Molitor is 62 years old. Okay, that's a little older than I thought he was.
2: Yep. Uh, I don't have anything on Wikipedia in his personal life regarding children. There is some drama here with wives, second wives, fathering children out of wetlock. We don't need to go into all that, but that's some juicy drama in the personal life section of his Wikipedia that I wasn't expecting. Huh. Did you guys, I'm sure Stu knew all the, the sordid details of his off the... Uh, it's off-the-field off activities, <laughs>
1: but I was no, unaware. I, I, can't, I can't say I knew. I mean, I I think I was vaguely aware of some things, but no, I don't have any details that would be, you know, of any non-legally actionable uh <laughs> um, pertinence. <laughs> let's put it that way.
2: Uh, Good. Well, let's just skip over that personal life section of the Wikipedia page just for just for our own sake and legal matters and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to stay employed and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that. That's that for uh, for Paul Molitor. It is kind of an odd thing. Um, I feel like, and I might be wrong here, does the manager, I feel like the smart guy's opinion has always been the manager doesn't really matter a whole lot so long as he's not calling a hit and run every other inning and he kind of just does you know a, a standard baseline job it's it's not gonna amount to you know ten wins a year or something has that been the prevailing opinion of most fans now or do, do do people honestly think if you brought in some unbelievably smart player the twins would have won like ninety games last year I mean everybody seems pretty well set that they just are kind of working on the margins right
3: i don't I don't necessarily think that Anyone is looking at Molitor and blaming him for the Twins. I mean, bullpen management aside, I my first reaction, I think, when I heard the news, was the same as a lot of people's first reaction, which was, you know, it serves Molitor right for getting his best players hurt and also signing a bunch of garbage-free agents. Oh, wait.
2: Yep, that'll teach him. Yep. (laughs) Well, and so much of it seemed to come down to, like, we just we just like other people better. We just want to find someone that we get to hire and, and we just like better.
3: Well, it's... Like, the right, twins. That's fair. It, it's a very strange place the Twins are in right now. They don't have a manager. They have basically zero players under contract for next year. I think it's, like, Michael Pineda and Addison Reed and then all the guys who are still under team control and stuff. Yeah. That's like mm-hmm. it they're like an expansion team without an expansion draft coming up. It's like a blank slate. <laughs> and on the one hand, it's like a a smart baseball guy's wet dream cuz they're not hamstrung by bad contracts or anything like that. On the other hand, they have nobody. It's not like they have a lot of young prospects where their triple A team is amazing and you just can't wait for all of these guys to get to the majors and finally their pathway to the big leagues is clear. They're, they've got Sano and Buxton who every everybody knows where those two are at. And Barrios is amazing. But as far as building blocks, they're a little short on who, who's going to be on the team next year. And it's not like you can look at this year and think, yeah, the boy geniuses, they are definitely the guys that are going to... Get the twins going. So when it comes to the manager, it's like maybe they have somebody else that they really want. Maybe they have their own guy, or maybe they just like having the ability to pick whoever they want. I don't know what they're yeah. doing. I, I I mean, this has been true since the beginning. I don't know what they're doing. I don't. I don't know <laughs> what the plan is here. Besides, get rid of everybody.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. The team that they had is not good enough, so they're just going to start over. But uh, I don't know how they're going to... This all of a sudden looks like a four-year, not rebuild, but like, yeah, I guess, just build from studs almost. Kind of came out of nowhere. was expecting
3: it's, it. It's not, even, it's not even quite like they're tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding from there. It's more like they're saving all the drywall and ripping all the studs out. <laughs> yep. Like that they got plenty right. of drywall. They got a lot of screws left over. Um, there's some cable, some electrical cable still in the garage, but that the house is gone. They knocked it all down. So I guess if you really think drywall prices are about to go up, they're pretty well set. But other than that, I I don't know what's going on here.
2: Maybe. Maybe Molitor did not like Buxton and Sonneau. And their thought is the correct thought, which is without them, we're screwed. They are our future. We need the two of them to perform. And they they just don't see eye to eye with Molitor. We're not getting rid of Buxton and Sonneau, so we'll just get rid of this guy, even though it's not going to amount to a ton. Is that possible? Because I do feel like we talked about on a previous show they sent Buxton home for some i mean we know why but idiotic reason and then even like a week later moller was like yeah i still haven't uh still haven't called buxton it, it's on my to-do list i will get to it i just haven't found the time to find you know to coddle my most important building block for the future so maybe there's something there and he obviously Sano, well i don't i don't know if he get has a whole lot of friends in the organization at all right now um I don't. It's the only thing I can think of that really makes sense beyond just again, yeah.
3: Let's try something else just for fun. We're flailing. Yeah, and I mean maybe literally nobody likes Paul Molitor. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know how what the opinion of anyone of him is. So, but like I say, like every other one of the moves from the boy geniuses, I I don't know. They did something. Yeah, it's,
2: with everything you can kind of squint and be like, okay, okay, maybe,
3: yeah, that might, yeah,
2: that might be a move.
3: They have fewer managers right now than they did at the start of today, uh-huh. so uh-huh. is that an improvement? Uh-huh. Maybe, I, I, yeah, maybe
2: signing Pineda for Tommy John's, yeah, that that could that could maybe work.
3: Yeah, that could be a slightly good deal. Or it could be a not very good uh, deal.
2: Lance, or Logan Morrison, yeah, I I guess. That could, yeah, that could maybe. That's the whole thing. That's every single move they've made. Except Royce Lewis, I'll give him that.
3: (laughs) It does feel a little bit like... I don't know if you guys have ever done an auction draft for fantasy football. Oh, yeah. There's always the one guy who never... Bids on any of the good players, and then at the end of the draft, he has one hundred and forty three dollars left and can take anybody he wants because everybody else has nine dollars of their budget left. Uh-huh. And on the one hand, you envy that guy, and you are like, "Man, that guy sure is getting a lot of good value here." Now, on the other hand, you look at his team and think, "Well, this guy has a lot of backup players on his <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a lot of good deals. Don't get me wrong, but." Sometimes, but sometimes you, the food is in Aldi for a reason.
1: You really don't need to have yeah. CJ Ham as your number one running back. You probably can do better. Right?
3: Exactly. <laughs>
1: um, can we get back to the um, the really the hottest take about the managerial move today? It comes from um, Pioneer Press. Uh, apparently, still employed by both the Pioneer Press and KQRS, um, Bob Sansevier. <laughs> Um would have liked that to see That was the it.
3: shocking part. It was, yeah. it was really a shock to look and say, wow, Bob Sandersveer is still a guy who's around.
1: Yeah. It's I like, got him
3: confused with Joe Suture. What? That's on me. That's not on him. That's
1: on me. Yeah, it's 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 distressing, especially since the Pioneer Press has gone through serious uh financial issues and this guy is still drawing a salary while they don't have like one copy editor or anything. Um Here's the here's the tweet. Uh, would have liked to see what Molitor could have done with a roster not saddled with Mauer's 23 million dollar annual salary. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. That's, way. No. Uh, oh yeah. It's I just it's perfect. It is the most wow. perfect. Literally the worst take you could have about this entire move. <laughs> it's amazing. Not that they were, you know, they not they fired the wrong guys. Not that they should have kept him, but that was Molitor's salary that was keeping the real, true genius of Paul Paul Molitor, um, you know, yeah. under a bushel somewhere. I just, it's it's beautiful. It's literally so dumb that I don't know that it would have gotten past the strip uh, moderators for a comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking dumbest thing. Yeah, and obvious got, spam. And he gets paid for his opinions. So it's just, like keep trying, everybody. It's like
3: it's like the old guy in town that has been telling the same racist joke at parties since 1958. Mm-hmm. And he just yep. he starts into it, and you're like, "No, Bob, no, no, don't, Bob!" Ah, oh, he's gonna go through with it. Mm-hmm. And, and then somehow
2: the- he finally writes a letter to the editor of like the New York Times and they just print it. You're like, yeah. what?
0: You-? <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, not to one up you on uh, bad, bad Bob Sansevier <laughs> takes, but while you were talking, I did a quick Google search for one of my favorite things. Um, overall, one of the best things that's ever happened in any of our lives is the existence of the website FireJoeMorgan.com. Yes. Yes, it was just the greatest thing. I have legitimately, not exaggerating, read the entire site twice. Uh, I had a very boring (laughs) job a few years ago, uh, as many years ago now, but just started at the very beginning of the archives and read every single article, and it was just, it was, it was brilliant. Uh, They had uh, (laughs) Bob Sansevier one time, and this is going to be hard to actually explain, um, but this uh, because this happened in 2007, but Bob Sansevier wrote a column where he proposed. That the Twins trade to the Red Sox uh, Johan Santana, who had a year left on his contract Joe Nathan, and Carlos Silva And in return, what the Twins would get Would be the following players <laughs> Jacoby, Jacoby Ellsbury, Dustin Pedroia Jonathan Papelbon, John Lester, and Clay Buckholt <laughs> I remember and so they, that
3: they I remember that <laughs>
2: The writer of the article, again on fire, Joe Morgan, says, uh, "I have identified 2.6 billion problems with this trade. Here are two: number one, Carlos Silva is a free agent; <laughs> number two, it's fucking insane." And uh, then he quotes Bob Sansum, an actual quote from Bob Sansford in the article, said, "What's Twins general manager Bill Smith waiting for? He should have done the- He should have this deal done by now." <laughs> Get back to fire joe morgan wow. and they go does theo epstein have anything to say about it because trading something like 23 cost-controlled years of five excellent young players for one year of santana one year of 33 year old joe nathan and no years of the impossible to obtain through trade, <laughs> <Carlos Silva laughs> might be the worst deal of all time in any sport including larry anderson for jeff bagwell End article. (laughs) That's just the greatest. An actual Uh, professional grown-ass man suggested uh, expiring contract Santana, old-ass Joe Nathan, and a free agent for five un-fucking-believable players, and then yelled at Bill Smith for not making the trade. That's the best part uh, about it.
3: Can you imagine... (laughs) Being the copy editor at the Pioneer Press that night. Yes. Like, oh, here's Sanjivir's column. Make Go over this and make sure, get it in there. Get it all laid out. And you just, as a copy editor, you just have to have that moment where you're like, is this the hill I die on? If I refuse to print this column, I'm probably getting fired. <laughs> but I'll be able to live with myself tomorrow. Wow.
1: I just, man. God, I... Anyone who can make a living in media in 2018 deserves a pat on the back, but it sure is shitting because of, you know, any actual, like, perceived quality. Or there's no meritocracy at work here. That's where I'm trying to get at. That's just...
2: It doesn't seem like it. You could go to Twins
1: Twins Daily right now. There's 18 guys writing with uh, humor and insight and analysis that are better than that crock of shit.
2: And right, and each one just, of them works at like Wells Fargo for a full-time exactly. job or exactly. a teacher like, or whatever They work at two
1: yeah. jobs, and this is just something they like to do for fun because they enjoy the game and actually give a shit about it. So I just, uh, it's disgusting.
2: It's got to be the number one profession that the Internet just basically killed any respect for having, like these super high-paid columnists. Well, I don't know if Sanskrit is super high-paid, but some of the New York Times guys, too, or whatever. It's like, ugh. You guys are total morons. I didn't realize it till I realized other people could write better than you, and a lot of people can. It's over. Um, it's all over. By the way, if you guys want to just read Fire Joe Morgan articles from now on <laughs> instead of actually the recording of our podcast, <laughs> I'm I'm down. I'm so down with that. Um, I have a question for you, um, John. I'll ask you. Where do the, if we're going to go through our old scale of incompetence, um, where do you have the BGs right now? I propose renaming it the Olay scale, because it's fun to say, which would be overmatched, lazy, or evil. What are the reasons okay. that these guys sucks right now?
3: I don't think I can give them any points for being evil. If we're talking about the poll ads, then obviously we stick with the default of a hundred on evil. But yep, zero zero hundred. Yes. Um, well, they're also lazy. Hmm. I, I I can't I can't say lazy either. They're out there doing stuff. No,
2: they're it pounding just, the pavement.
3: It just doesn't make any sense. So I feel like you gotta putting pretty, pretty much all of your points on incompetent
2: yes i agree that's my that's where i'm at too
3: what was what was the overmatched i like OLE yeah, better than the incompetent lazy evil
2: yeah ile yeah. is a tough one to yeah
3: yeah acronyms are most of my day jobs so <laughs> well i'm glad that we have you here to get our acronym game even better
2: finally brought some value it only took 11 years or however long we've been doing this two decades
3: <laughs> yeah i don't know I, somewhere around i there. remember doing it when i was in high school i don't know about you guys
2: that's right we got all the av equipment from high from our high right. school
3: <laughs> oh your your high school had av equipment sick brag
2: la di da huh oh yeah park center you know we're at the forefront of all the technology <laughs> all media every, every single yeah right All right, that's it for Paul Molitor for me. Hardly knew you. Yeah. Uh, We'll probably never hear from him again. Okay, uh, Jonathan, I don't want to make you cry, but can you walk me through the Joe Maurer experience? It
3: was... It was... uh, I mean, it was an awesome experience being at the game, but it was a little strange in that I didn't go to the game prepared for that experience because the Twins didn't announce, like hey, we're going to pull out all the stops to make Joe Maurer feel loved at this game and it's going to be an amazing experience. It was mostly just like, well, he says he's undecided about retiring so this could be his last game. And it's Joe Maurer, so he's big on respecting the game but not in that terrible way where you throw at guys who pump their fist. In I mean, Maurer's version of respecting the game is basically just to never get excited about anything. Right. Because he doesn't want to make anybody mad And so what I, I assumed What I assumed would happen would be like He'd get a standing ovation the first time he came to the plate And then he'd just play the whole game And wave at everyone on the way Off the field And that would be fine But then it was just The whole game was like Alright we're going to show On the scoreboard during between innings They'd show like the old season ticket ads That you've forgotten about Like the one where Mauer and Joe Nathan are playing video games in the basement and then they play wiffle ball down there and break a bunch of stuff and Mauer's mom comes down and yells at him. I forgot, mm-hmm. how, I forgot how that was good. And the one where Mauer, they spoofed the Mean Joe Green Coke ad by having Mauer give a kid his sideburns. That was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It, it was like... I, what I remember is the the jokes about how bland and boring... Joe Maurer is but I forgot that he kind of was funny in sort of in sort of a hockey player way where he's not really funny but he's willing to laugh at himself. It wasn't really it wasn't like Joe Maurer's going to host Saturday Night Live but he's willing to be made fun of and he's willing to go along, go along with it and that's okay. Um yeah. but it it started with before the game they they always do that thing where they have kids go out on the field and then the players run out on the field and the kids stand by them for the national anthem and stuff it's the twins kids club or whatever but then they had Mauer's two daughters come out and I have a daughter too and of course that one got me right in the feels cause they're hugging their dad at first base and stuff and I'm like oh, that's that's, that's <laughs> nice nobody talk to me right now <laughs> nobody talk to me right now I'm checking hey, my phone hey. I'm checking my phone <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta go inside. Right? I gotta go up to the the concourse in the end the thing. I need a need water. I don't um, know what it
2: is about these because it you know on its own, it's just two kids, you know, going to hug dad for a minute and leaving. But you're right, it's something about I don't know if it's sports or you can see yourself in them or something. But it's an odd thing how that just all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, I'm crying.
3: Yeah, why did this happen?
2: I was. Just supposed to be watching the Twins game and bawling.
3: I used I used to care about baseball, and now all I care that Joe Mauer has children that love him. That's now I couldn't be any happier, no matter what happened. So then it wasn't it wasn't just that the whole game for years and years I've been pulling for Joe Mauer because everybody's such jerks to him. Bob Sansevier being chief jerk in, the, in this week and. So the whole game, like everything he did, I was like, oh, that's not good. Cause it, it, it suddenly became very clear that whether or not he was going to retire, the twins were going to treat him as if this was the last time he'd ever be seen in public. Like, we're going to put him down next week. We know you said, dog. <laughs> we know you said that you're not retiring, but just in case you do retire we are going to do literally everything we can to make you feel good about yourself. And so the last thing that I wanted to do was for him to like hit into three double plays or strike out four times or I don't know, $10,000 to fall out of his pocket when he was running to first base or something, just, you know, something that would confirm every terrible thing that ever got said. So he grounded out a couple of times and then he flew out to center and he came up in the seventh inning and it was like, I so desperately wanted him to hit a home run that bounced off ramp B or something like that, that then he hit, he, he hit a double to left center. And just he's hit 400,000 doubles to left center in his career. And he hit one more and he probably should have been thrown out of second, but wasn't. And he was just, he was excited. And that was, that was probably the moment where I was like, Oh, I have tears running down my face and I don't know why because I was just so I was just so damn happy that the good thing that I wanted to happen happened and I thought that was going to be like the last the last moment like alright Maurer just hit a double this is a perfect ending He's he gets to wave to the crowd the crowd gets to cheer one more time in the ninth inning the Rangers did this with Adrian Beltre a couple of times this week once at home and then once in his once in the last game of the season they had a defensive replacement come in for him so that he could get one more standing ovation not after he grounded out or something like that. So that's what I thought the twins would do in the ninth inning was they would have him stay in for the first out or something like that, and then they would put Tyler Austin into play first and Maurer could wave at everybody on the way out. But then it was just the the weird moment where it's between innings and they're playing like pump up music, but then you notice that nobody is left on the field, like the umpires are gone, the security guards are gone, Matt Matt Belisle and the relievers are just standing in the bullpen, and you it was sort of that moment like what's what's going on right here, are they gonna are they gonna present him a jersey in between innings or something and then. It, you could see all the people standing up down by the dugout and then they started going crazy and then I was sitting sort of up, up in the upper deck in right field and then you see the guy with number 7 on and the catching gear on and it was just like this absolute outpouring of emotion from the whole crowd and later you go back on the video you couldn't couldn't see it from where I was sitting but it was clearly like Maurer with his hand over his face because he was crying with the catcher gear on and then I was panicking that he was going to try to catch the whole inning and he was going to get a foul tip off the face and yeah. he was going to have a that concussion was for the rest of his life it was going to be like Corey Kosky where you read stories for two years where it's like well Corey Kosky hasn't walked in three years because he can't leave a dark room because his head hurts so badly but yeah. as it turned out they had worked it out with the White Sox that he'd catch one pitch and Belial would throw it outside. And I I think we need to give Matt Belial credit for finally putting one pitch where he meant to put it, because he <laughs> did manage to throw it a foot and a half outside. Um, and oh, no. just the absolute emotion of the whole thing, and then Maurer almost cho- getting choked up and almost not being able to get through the post-game interview. It was just It was all so perfect and it was so unexpected. Like I I went to the park knowing that it could be Joe Maurer's last game, but like I said, I didn't expect them to make a big deal about it. So when they did start making a big deal, it was un it was beyond what I expected and if I even if I had known what they were planning it was still better than I would have thought it was going to be between the kids on the field and the double in the last at bat and the last catching experience it was just it's so rare with sports I, I said this on Twitter a little bit it's so rare that you get what you want to happen which is usually your team winning it's even more rare to get something that's even better than what you thought you wanted and that's right. the way Maurers last game it was and it was just it was an amazing experience It's
2: amazing. Yep, you're right. Unforgettable, I'm sure. Um, So what do you think? you think he's retiring? (laughs)
3: Uh, By the end of that game, I thought, now he has to retire. (laughs) After this game. Guys, I (laughs) I, I said I was undecided. Don't don't bring out everyone I ever knew. Why are my parents in the lineup today? Why Why are you taking my key card? I don't even have access to the... I still have a jersey, huh. right? <laughs> yeah. Why are the people why are those guys bulldozing my locker? Why is there a statue of me outside the field already? Yeah, so it, it's over. So I yeah, I mean, obviously my main hope is that he would come back next year and hit 375 with 45 home runs, but it, beyond that, it just seemed like it seemed like a great way to end. And it did seem
2: like a great way to end, and I understand the fans' perspective of wanting this it to happen like this. But I also think, you know, there's a the whole saying, it's better to leave a year too early than a year too late, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the exact opposite. It's right. better to leave a year too late. you got to really make sure that you're done, because otherwise you're going to be thinking about it the rest of your life. He's 35 years old. That's... It's old, you know, in terms of athletes, yeah. and I know that it's a it's an old thirty five for him because of the catching issues. But and I know you know some of it comes in where he is not this you know huge impact player anymore. But that's young; he should still be playing for like three more years. Just give it what he's got, and it's just it would be odd to me if he just is legitimately like, nah, that's good for me. It's a hard. I would, I would I would imagine it's a really hard thing to shut off of this. Prepare for something almost every single day. And work so hard at it
3: And then just be like mm, Nah I don't know Yeah, on, That's odd to me <laughs> On the one hand what I really want Is for him to play like 7 more years Which Ultimately would make this game Absolutely hilarious in retrospect If he played till he was 42 years old Like remember Joe Maurer's retirement ceremony That happened Now almost a decade ago That was pretty much,
2: <laughs> Yeah but And it's not like unheard of for a guy to play till they're I mean Ichiro's way older than forty one or whatever it is. So Ichiro's yeah. like, a he's
3: yeah. I mean you look at the you look at the list of Hall of Fame catchers, like all of them caught till they were about forty nine years old. I think I think Carlton Fisk was sixty four when he retired. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Molitor could still be
2: playing if he was a different position.
3: Right. So On the one hand, I'm right there with you. On the other hand, you just you hate to think that it could end like Harmon Killebrew in a Royals jersey. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but that's like that's
2: you're thinking of a fan's perspective.
3: Harmon Killebrew, that was probably a really important year for
2: him mentally to to then be happy the rest of his life. But maybe I I don't know. I, that, again, that's it's a hard thing for me to understand these um, these maniacally competitive people just all of a sudden can turn the switch off. Right. And it doesn't doesn't happen very often. I'm trying to think of like how many you know, Barry Sanders, football's different though. You know, there's a lot of it's just self-preservation. Robert Smith yeah. did the same thing, but in other sports in basketball, you don't very often see a guy just go into the night calmly and go, "Yeah, it's that's but good. There, That's good enough fillies. for me. Like Kobe had to have his Achilles basically like fall out of his body in order for him to quit. Shaquille O'Neal had to gain 700 pounds. Uh, obviously Jordan stuck around for a really long time. And it's just, I don't know. It's in baseball's kind of seems to be like that too. And not, not, not many guys retire when they could still have something to offer. And maybe the thing is, Malware's like, I don't have, I'm not a super valuable guy. You know, nowadays you can see the writing on the wall there. Of like, I might not be an everyday player, and I don't have any interest in that. That part I can sort of understand, but um, I don't but know. I I, it, w- it would just be a little bit surprising for
3: me to him to, for him to not at least give it a shot. I think you have to remember that there is a self-preservation aspect here, though, just from the concussion standpoint, because he got another one this year. Mm, and mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, "All right, I signed this long contract. I want to see out this contract." But it's another thing to come back next year like, all right, I'm going to sign for $1.5 million to be the DH 90 times, and if I get hit in the head with a pitch or something like that, I might have to sit in a dark room for three years. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, that's he, true. That's probably he's
1: seen, he's seen what happened to Justin Marno and Corey Koski.
3: Right.
2: Yeah, his who buddies. have much worse yep.
1: symptoms than he has, and he knows he's one fastball to the head away from that or worse. And he's got yeah, a baby, and, I mean, baby coming in February. I mean, it's. I think it's. I'd like personally. I'd like to see him just hit a hundred doubles for the Red Sox next year, just to see someone like yeah. break the record on doubles in one season. Because he would do it probably by the All Star break. But I think he's. <laughs> I think he's done, and I think it was probably the right call. And the only thing really left is to watch people in Minnesota get incensed that he's going to get elected to the Hall of Fame probably somewhere down the road
2: it'll be the weirdest thing ever, his own they, home they will, fans are voting against him they will be protesting uh, outside
1: of Cooperstown it'll be a, a beautiful thing um, I'll just be so just. I'm just going to be happy for K-Fan that they were able to actually turn a group of people against a player I mean that's really hard to do when the player's good and it's it shows just, the power
2: uh, of the organization.
1: It really you know? does. I think they. I mean, that's fifty thousand watts full of propaganda that you can make them believe <laughs> things that aren't true. I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, usually you leave that one to the Fox News channel to do that. This is a just a sports talk radio sh- um, situation, and you know, God bless them. They situation. they did it. Hope you're proud. It works. Nice work, guys. Can their I, impact. Can I their do a impact. quick?
3: Can I do a quick public service announcement here, please? The sportive doesn't have a lot of reach. Not like Not, sure. fan. not <laughs> no, like. Not like. I thought unneedial. I was sitting down. You really? You really yeah, think, yeah.
1: I was gonna say thanks for underselling it, John. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like,
3: I'd like everyone out there that's listening to this podcast as a personal favor to me. If not for yourselves, then at least as a personal favor to me. If. You run across anybody who is arguing against Joe Mauer's Hall of Fame case, please from me punch them in the mouth. In the I think mouth. that's the only way. I think physical violence is the only way to go here.
2: I yeah, that's I can. You're not going to be able to have a conversation with them. That's that ship has sailed. Yeah, physical <laughs> violence immediately. I support it. Yep. Well, thank you, I, uh,
3: thank you for this time.
2: I was, I was thinking he was going to come back just for the fact that he's an athlete and that's what athletes do, but you guys have convinced me. I forgot about the other concussion this year. Okay, I'm now on board. Maybe he's done, and that's fine. And now a life of just what we're doing, just being at home with kids and being annoyed with them. Isn't that fucking insane how humbling parenting is?
1: he'll be volunteering at Crete and Durham Hall in like 18 months <laughs> just, yeah, just exactly. to get out of the house a little bit
3: <laughs>
1: What uh, I, I have two questions for, for uh, hold on, uh, okay, I just want to mention
3: yep. from a parenting standpoint now that I have a kid the idea of well, he's got another one on the way and he also has five year old twins mm-hmm. I really think he needs to stay home for the next five years <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> at least until the next one is in school, because that
1: sounds awful ugh yeah, I mean, yep. I know they. I'm sure. I'm sure they can afford a nanny to help take some of the pressure off.
2: But multiple uh, nannies.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a lot of work, and it's thankless. And yeah, having an extra parent around to help out with that is probably a really, really good thing.
2: Well, um, John, my question is: What year will Joe Maurer be fully appreciated? Never, ever. Ah, uh, Nostalgia is a hell of a drug, man
3: Here's what I'm Someday trying to convince the tides will myself. Turn. Here's what I'm trying to convince myself of And I I know it's probably not true But I want it to be true So I'm just going to stick with it What I'm trying to convince myself of Is that 95% of people in Minnesota Already do appreciate him properly And really like him And It's only the 5% of people Who happen to be really loud that didn't So Okay my what I'm trying to convince myself of is that he is fully appreciated now and there's 5% of people that will be getting punched in the mouth by sportive listeners from now on <laughs> oh that's a surprisingly uplifting take from you John hey after that after Sunday's game I'm Mr. Uplifting <laughs> Mr. I'm all about <laughs> I'm all about good. love and family and oh I'm sure. just Mr. Positive sure. right
2: uh, next question is for Stuart. What do you think he's sure. going to do? Uh, le- what do you actually think he's going to do for the rest of his life? Do you think he's going? He's not going to be like a broadcaster type, is he?
1: No, I um You may have noticed that he's not exactly the most uh, talkative and outgoing demonstrative yeah. type of pretty, dude. Uh, he's pretty, pretty, pretty neat th- pitch there. Yeah, pretty pretty, fla- pretty flat line, pretty even keel. Um, yeah. My guess is he'll he'll maybe get into coaching, like not like you know managing a major league team but like you know like maybe like working at creton durham hall maybe maybe some saint thomas bullshit i don't know
2: right well it's, it is interesting someone state. who's that talented naturally if he is actually able because there's so many other amazing athletes that are just like yeah i don't i don't really know how to explain anything that i do i was just kind of born with a lot of this talent so it'll be interesting to see if he's one of those guys
1: like it's really in the golf or something like that, or bass fishing. I think, yeah. I
3: think he should be the sure. designated hitter for the St. Saint Paul Saints in all their home games next year. Cool. it's a good one. Just show Great. up to the park, get four hits,
2: go home. Neat deal. Real neat deal. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. You guys want to talk about how we did on our bros and turds for the Twins, and then we'll move on to other sports? Yeah, sure let's do thing. it. All right, uh, I'm going to start with um, Stu. Oh
1: boy, because
2: yours is the funniest. Oh. Um, <laughs> your Your bro Stu was one. I don't even know his first name. I think it's Ryan. Is it no. Ryan Lamar?
1: <laughs> Ryan Lamar. Oh God, he was so good for the first two weeks. <laughs> uh, and then they cut him.
3: Ryan Lamar.
1: Dude. He Ryan was the, Lamar. 25th, the 25th guy. How could he not? Remember his stubble? His stubble was so. Just, <laughs> Boy. Oh. You could set your that was watch guy by who that had stubble.
3: a 10 a.m. shadow.
1: Oh, God. dude!
3: Was... I don't know if this helps you at all, but
2: he did uh, end up on the Chicago White Sox, and uh, he had an 809 OPS for the White Sox in 66 wow. and 66 at bats. So, you know.
1: He just Not a bro exactly, but he, he couldn't uh, supplant Daniel Polka. That's too bad.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so um, that was a very, very bad bro. And yeah. your turd was uh, Fernando Rodney.
1: Well, uh, that for, uh, I was just, pretty smart in April, less smart in May, and then it just kind of went into meh territory.
2: Right. And then you also had 85 wins as their prediction, so you were, oh, you were seven off. So that
1: wasn't, that wasn't too bad.
2: Well, let's slow your roll. You were second worst in your prediction. Oh, so Lord um of Son of a gun. I'm going to go now with uh, Chicken, who's not here, RIP. Uh, his bro, another person who I don't know their first name, <laughs> their last <laughs> name is Moya. Is it Gabe? Gabriel?
1: <laughs> Gabriel Moya. Gabriel.
2: Yeah. Okay, Uh, that guy, Uh, how did he do it? Do we know? He's
1: the opener. He set set the record. He was the first guy to start four games in 10 days since uh, some guy named Grover in 1917. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool.
2: So he had an ERA plus of 93, which is not great, and a FIP of 4.76. So in general, not great. But very lovable, a very lovable not great. Uh, his turd was also Fernando Rodney, so eh. And then uh, Chicken actually got the wins dead on with 78. That has to be the first time wow. in Bros and Turds history that we've got something actually dead on, right? Yeah. I feel like we're never even close.
3: That's That's a legitimate win for Chicken right there
2: so i think that even though the moya was not great and the rodney was not great getting the wins dead on is is worth something yeah. so i think he was um third or maybe second best for me my bro is joseph mauer i just love him so much uh, yep. and that was fine respectable my turd was gibby as is <laughs> oh, my tradition yep. and uh not good not, not good. good at all not good at um, all. all he was good and I had 86 wins, so I was eight off. So actually, you know what? Chicken was in second place. I was a third place there. Um, and then the first place winner for Accuracy was John. Yeah! Listen to this. This is a, just a murder, Just the, the best bros and turds performance all around we've ever seen in any sport. You had wow. Gibby as your bro. Nice John.
3: Good the, job. The hilarious thing about that was that Gibby was Chicken's bro 14 consecutive years until this year. And he was Since we were in high every school. year. Yep. Yeah. And yep. this year he was my bro, and chicken didn't pick him, and he had a good year.
2: Yeah, yeah. He Amazing. Gets. Nice job, John. And then uh your turd was uh, Miguel Sano. Boy, just can't,
1: dis- can't dispute that one.
2: Nope. And then eighty one wins, so you're only three off. So John, wow, really, John the really, really impressive. what can I say not much can't say anything Uh, okay really quick um, uh, we'll get to that later Uh, you guys want to talk about Jimmy Buckets I do
3: (laughs) I do want to talk about Jimmy Buckets and I do want to talk about if this punching people in the face thing goes well I think we can extend this to a lot of people involved with the Timberwolves
2: oh god okay well here's the thing that I, I want to know about who do you blame for this scenario, Jonathan? And I know what you're going to say. I want you to try to take emotion out of this because I'm going to try to take emotion <laughs> no, out of this as well. Absolutely not. I know, there's, I know one of the people you could blame is also responsible for twi- for trading our sweet, beloved Ricky Rubio. Right. And you want to go there immediately and assign 100% of the blame to him. I just want you to, to try to count to 10 here. And, and, and only think through the actual what actually happened here and not blame this scenario on the Ricky Rubio thing because Jimmy Bucket doesn't like Rubio anyway. So it's not like a vindication deal. Well, um, So all that said, who
3: do you blame for this? Well, obviously I blame Thibodeau still. <laughs> and here's the reason. Uh-huh. Jimmy Bucket's requesting a trade is bad in any scenario. No matter no matter what the scenario is, what led up to it, what comes next, having a guy who, by all accounts, is a top 15, top 20 player in the NBA who wants off your team is a bad thing. There's no getting around that. But the compounding problem for the Timberwolves is that not only did they build everything around Jimmy Bucket's They built it around him to an insane nonsense degree where they took his teammates from seven years ago, all of whom are in wheelchairs, and brought them in to play roles that they are not suited for today just so they were trying to make Jimmy Buckets comfortable. And that wasn't Jimmy Butler's fault. That's Tom Thibodeau trying to, for some reason, recreate a much older version of a Chicago Bulls team that didn't win anything just because he remembers their names. So, Jimmy Butler wanting out, that's a problem. The fact that the franchise is now saddled with this hellscape of former Chicago Bulls, that's the Tom Thibodeau problem. And
0: so... for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: When you look at the problem they're having here, I still think it's Tom Thibodeau caused problem. I don't know. What do you think, Brandon? With your vaunted emotion, not being part of this. I don't know what I think.
2: I think that my hatred for Thibodeau's attitude is clouding so many other things, which is probably speaks to a larger sociological thing of when people are just generally grumpy. We just blame those people for everything. We just (laughs) hate them. We just hate them. Even though, even if the results are what they are, for some reason, we don't care. We just hate them. And it's, it's true. I don't like him at all while admitting that they won 47 games last year while their best player was hurt for like a fourth of the season. And if you put that on paper and the coach was really nice, you'd go, that's cool. That's great. I'm glad that that happened. But it was Thibodeau, and I don't like him, so I think that season sucked, which is a very weird thing. And another thing that I'm thinking about um, is uh, a few years ago when when, uh, Flip came back and was coach, and I'm not going to get the names of people right, but if you remember, he signed a bunch of his old guys as like older mentors. Um, Andre Miller. Remember Andre Miller? He's like a point I'm gonna guard. I'm going
3: to be honest with you. Point guard, no, yeah. I don't.
2: He's a point guard. Stu remembers him. Um, he signed Tayshawn Prince.
3: Oh, he didn't I play vaguely, much. I vaguely remember that
2: one. It was one of his old players. And he brought KG back. So it was like three wily veterans that weren't going to get a whole lot of playing time. But I don't know if you remember the reaction um, of him doing that, but I do. And it was, we were all pretty, pretty okay with it all. We were like, that's good. That makes total sense. Bring in some veterans. They work well with flip. That's cool. They'll mentor the young guys. They'll make them better, smarter, et cetera. And then Thibodeau did, again, not the same thing, but a little bit the same uh, with with dang and uh Aaron Brooks or whatever, like old mentor guys, and we fucking lambasted him for it over and over, and so did I. I hated it, I couldn't stand it. I thought it was whatever the professional term of nepotism is <laughs> like um, and it was just it's just an odd thing. I don't know why I reacted in so lovingly in one way and so angry in another way, but uh it is what it is, so I fear that I'm. My judgment of Tibbs has been clouded because he's such a surly dick. Um, so I don't know if it's a hundred percent his fault. Is it possible that Jimmy Butler is also, in his own right, kind of a dick?
3: Oh yeah, I hate Jimmy Butler. I mean, Still, he do you hate didn't Jimmy Butler? Lo-
1: <laughs> oh god, um, sort of have to at this point, don't you? Yes, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is all. All the, like you said, the mecha-nations to reunite the 1991 Chicago Bulls to to placate him. And then he just says, eh, you know what, I'm going to pull the ripcord here. So you guys want to trade me to, like, Miami or something? That's just yeah, like South the, Beach. the day before media day. I mean, you just can't. It's so Timberwolves. It's almost too Timberwolves to be believed.
2: It's... It's just unbelievable, and last year they brought, I mean, I don't know if they did this because of Butler or whatever, but they brought in Jamal Crawford, and I think we were okay with that, right? He's a fun guy to watch. He was awful. He was, he was easily the worst player on the team. He was actually one of the worst players in the entire league, if not the worst, for the amount of time he got, and Jimmy Butler spent most of his time complaining about Towns' effort or Wiggins, who again, Wiggins fucking sucks, but he's way better than Jamal Crawford, And maybe that was a writing-on-the-wall sort of deal. And then Butler got into a lot of arguments with his old Bulls teammates. Um, So maybe he's just kind of a dick, and maybe that's the problem. And I still think Thibodeau, but here's the thing. On the old Olay scale, I'm wondering if Tib is, I think we used to think it was basically all evil I think it might be just more of like the overmatched area more than anything else. Grumpy doesn't mean he's evil. Um, I think he just was like, well, I always worked well with Butler. I can keep him around. And it just didn't work. And it made sense to make the trade. And there's all this like uh, hindsight looks back of like, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if we still had Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and Laurie, whatever? No, no, it would not be. Those guys suck. They might turn into something good at some point. They fucking suck. The Bulls didn't win hardly any games last year. They won't win hardly any games this year. That ship has sailed. The trade was a smart trade. But I think I think getting back to your point, John, if Jimmy Butler was telling him months ago that he wanted out, that's where he fucked up. right? He should have traded him immediately.
3: I think we also need think... a word for the unmitigated gall of Jimmy Butler being like, I would like you to trade me to one of these three teams. Not Please. to just anybody. I have no leverage. Here's my list of pl- players uh, of places to trade me. Thank you. I know that you will respect me after I blew up the entire franchise because I don't like it here. Yeah. But yeah, People definitely, definitely Miami want... or Los Angeles yeah. or somewhere fun. I wish... I wish that there was still a team No, I wish that there was a new team in Edmonton or Calgary or Pickle Lake, Ontario, that the Timberwolves could trade Jimmy Butler to.
2: Oh god, just I wish there was a team in Anoka.
3: <laughs> right.
2: That's where you have to live now, Jimmy. Yeah.
3: You now I don't live know in Coon Rapids. Congratulations. <laughs>
2: The dreaded ABC cities. Sorry, that includes Blaine too. I'm very sorry to all those listeners. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> Blaine's like, what did we do?
2: Huh? Why did you just? It just just because of the alphabet. Now I'm part of the Anoka yeah. Rapids triumvirate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I again, I am. I would love if Tibbs was ty- if if Tibbs was fired, fucking yesterday. Please, that's fine. But I just think we are now all of a sudden to a point where anything happens at all. like it's a rainy September, and we're like, "Thanks, Tibs, Thanks, asshole." <laughs> um, so, and I'm guilty of that, and I just don't know if that's hundred percent fair. But screw Tibs, screw Jimmy Butler, screw whatever stupid, horrible package we get for them, uh, get for him, which is going to be worthless. Screw Glenn Taylor. Like, low-key, the actual villain in all of this, for letting him be the, the president and the coach, which clearly does not work for really anybody. Um,
1: I screw love the, the, the entire team. wedding invitation industry. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. The other day, somebody asked Steve Kerr, the Warriors coach, who about whether, because he's been a GM and he's been a coach, and mm-hmm. they were like, would you ever want to do both? He's like, no, it's way too hard.
2: Yeah, that's not It's yeah, way it's not too possible. hard
3: to be both. No one could do both. I'm not speaking directly about Tom Thibodeau, of course, or anyone in specifically, but no. Sure. No, that's
2: crazy. Isn't it crazy, too, another great quality in human beings that's underappreciated is just humility? How much we yeah. appreciate someone just being like, no, I'm not going to be the macho whatever, I want to take on everything right now. I'm just going to say, that's not good. I'd rather not do that. It's just such a breath of fresh air. Right. Well, we're screwed for a very long time. As, as always, the motto for the Timberwolves is, their all is aching. And uh, <laughs> it will continue to ache for, for the next few years because no matter how amazing Towns is, his upside, the best case scenario, is Anthony Davis, Right. Anthony Davis has made the playoffs like once in 8 years or some, you know, whatever it is, 5 years, 6 years. One guy is not going to solve it. And no. Wiggins ain't your number 2, so they're in trouble.
1: They're in trouble. We should like that that seems like a perfect transition to this year's uh, Minnesota Wild, don't you think?
2: Oh, yes. Stewart, amazing. Uh, hey Stu. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. That's what I'm here for. Do you ever, do you ever go back and listen to old sportives or just remember recording them at all?
1: Uh, is this like Probably one of those reco- bit, right? like one of those recovered memory sessions? Because no, <laughs> not ever.
2: <laughs> well, let me uh, give you a refresher. Here's the thing that happens, and not just to John, but it happens to all of us. Each one of us has a topic where, if left unchecked, Mm -hmm. We would talk about for, do you remember that like world record that Kenny G set years ago? Like he held the same note on his saxophone for like 15 minutes.
1: Well, still thinking the tight male perm was a really good idea. Yeah, I I remember that.
2: (laughs) Those are the two records he set. Well, if left unchecked, John, for example, would would talk about the wild without breathing for, for double that time. So we need to make sure that we don't just say, hey, John, what's up with the Wild this year? And let him go. Yeah. We've all seen that movie, and you we know guys, how it ends. You guys it's might a remember. hour movie. It's not your time, John. Work. It's not your time.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: it really isn't, John. So um, we each have some... Okay, John, do you want the
3: floor? I just want to say that you guys made that mistake at the World Cup last summer, you might remember, and if anybody goes back to that podcast, what they'll hear is me talking without a period in a sentence that lasted for thirty two straight minutes,
2: yeah, exactly, it and was I just think... like
3: everything I ever learned about soccer came out in one rush where I talked as fast <laughs> as a human being could pot- it was like a micro machines guy talks about the World cup for thirty minutes so let's and here's not the do thing that.
2: we each have our topics right i have and john, I don't know if you. If you can experience the same thing. But I have certainly started talking about the Timberwolves, like, salary cap issues (laughs) or something that only I know about. And, like, went on a 20-minute rant. And, like, in minute three of that 20-minute rant most of my brain was like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> You've got to stop. And I just kept plowing through. Right. And furthermore, Pekovic's contract is still guaranteed for two more years. There's a player option for Mo Williams, whatever. So we all have those things. <laughs> and, uh, and so we should know that about ourselves. So, John, I propose that you are not allowed to speak unchecked about the wild or, as you just mentioned it, soccer at all. Okay? All right. Duly noted. Um, I will not speak unchecked about uh, the Timberwolves, the NBA at large, or ways to fix any sport. That's just mine. Uh, I think Chicken, who's not here, we should not allow him to speak unchecked about the success or lack thereof of Rick Spielman or the quality of refs in general. He just or, can't just talk about that
1: or revenuers coming on his property.
2: <laughs> yeah, that either. And then Stu, uh, you're a pretty good guy. Probably like regonomics.
3: <laughs> I got <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's right. <laughs> I gotta tell you, this podcast no regonomics,
2: WMDs, none of that.
3: Yeah, this podcast would be uh, way better if we could get Stu to talk more. Like most of these podcasts, about the thirty three minute mark you hear Stu's lawnmower start up and you're just like, Where did Stu go? That joke.
2: <laughs> oh, that joke is always funny to me.
3: Um, okay, like, like back we used to we used to do like Google hangouts for this, so theoretically we could see each other. Except you would just see Stu like get up and he'd be like going across the basement carrying boxes from one room to another. You could just <laughs> you could see him literally doing his chores during the podcast because he'd grown bored with it. He like took all
2: the the plates and cups out of the the cabinets in his kitchen and like just redid them in different right. sections of the. And while we're watching him the entire time, right? Like, oh no, the cups should be closer to the dishwasher. That's more of a high frequency. Oh, all right, that's cool. Um, okay, so John, since you're not allowed to speak unchecked, I'm going to ask you questions. It's just just a Q and A. All right, and you just can answer my question. And it's I not will. Not a jump off point for a rants.
3: And I'm gonna I'm gonna regret saying this, but I'm gonna try to keep my I'm gonna try to keep my answers lightning round short.
2: Yep, lightning round Q and A. That's how we have to do our problem subjects. So this is this is a problem subject. Okay. Uh, the first question: When do the wild start playing?
3: Thursday night.
2: That's the actual like a real game that counts. It's not a friendly.
3: That's their first game that counts. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, Question two. What happened last year? They made the playoffs and got killed by the Winnipeg Jets in the first round. And they made the playoffs. What was their seed? They were the third seed in the Central Division.
2: And this is one of those goofy deals where a third seed sounds pretty good, but in actuality
3: it wasn't that great because Winnipeg was also a really solid team. Yes? Uh, Winnipeg and Nashville last year were two of the best five teams in the NHL so even even though the Wild were technically third behind those two they were a million miles away so they got what they deserved They no one expected them to do well in the playoffs and they did not oh
2: okay well that makes fans feel smart at least I knew it I knew it okay uh, next question who did they
3: lose um, virtually no one. The team's basically the same. Oh no shit! <laughs> oh wow! Uh, they got they they pretty weird. much replaced the whole fourth line, and they got one new defenseman for the third defensive pairing. Oh, that's Stu lawnmower? Pretty much everybody else. lawnmower just started. Yeah, great.
2: Uh, I was uh, gonna say I was.
1: <laughs> I, had a, I had a cheap shot on deck, but I can let John finish his his statement. So. <laughs>
2: Okay, uh, well, hold on to it, Stu, because okay. my next question is pretty similar. Um, who did they gain? You said pretty much the same, but they have do they have any newcomers?
3: They, they have a number of guys who were playing college hockey when I was in college. You know, <laughs> I As <hate> noted
2: to, <laughs> quite a while ago.
3: I hate to tell you, it's not a good thing.
2: No spring chicken. All right, well, that makes my next question fairly moot. Uh, question five was going to be, are there any fun young guys for us to root for?
3: There is Sounds exactly like a- one fun young guy to root for. His name is Jordan. Oh. Green. His name is Jordan Greenway. He joined the team after the college hockey season last year, so he was on the team for about the last five games of the regular season. and then may have been their best forward in the playoff series. The aforementioned right. disaster. He right. is I he is literally the only prospect worth getting excited about in the entire wild organization. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, that's not entirely, he... There's not that's not entirely true. They have a guy who's currently playing in Russia that can't come to the NHL for at least three more years.
2: Okay. Okay. So, well, well, I'll back better. that. That's the
3: excitement for the future.
2: Okay, uh, so this uh, Jordan Greenway fellow, um, mm-hmm. can you give me a good comp, but it has to be a very well-known hockey player that I might actually recognize?
3: All right, let me think about this.
2: Is it? Okay, so I'll give you a rundown. Okay. Uh, Wayne Gretzky?
3: Nope, bad comp.
2: Okay. Uh, Mario Lemieux?
3: <laughs> also a fairly bad comp.
2: Uh okay. Uh my third one would be uh Jeremy Ronick in Madden 95. Or I'm sorry, in NHL 95. Um, he's got
3: he's... the he's got that same kind of grit but does not have the goal scoring that Ronick had.
2: Okay, that ends my comps.
3: Oh, okay. So <laughs> when I was going to go with former Eric Lindros Edith- I was gonna go with former Edmonton oh, yeah. forward Ryan Smith. That probably was not gonna work for you. <laughs>
2: oh, the famous Ryan Smith. Stu, <laughs> how could we forget Rye guy?
1: Classic Rhino.
2: Her fave. Oh boy, we love. Would it help R if I Smith. said?
1: Would
3: it Would I help if I said that he had a mu- he had a mustache and looked kind of looked like the sax player from the Muppets?
2: Well, it doesn't hurt. No, it certainly doesn't hurt. I, okay, but is he like he's like a big dude? He's, like, he's a big he's bruiser.
3: A, he's a bigger guy. He definitely can go to the front of the net, and get goals there. He's also he's also a skilled guy, though. So I think that if
2: oh, you're excited so about guy. young
3: guys, I I did read an article that ranked all of the teams based on just the players who were 23 or younger and the Wild finished absolutely dead last. <laughs> and it was basically saying they have Jordan Greenway, they have this other guy who's coming back from tearing his ACL at the end of last year, and they have no one else. That's a Wild organization right now. Jesus.
2: I'm going to throw up. Okay, uh, question six. What is the goalie situation?
3: Uh, Devin Dubnik is back again. He is a good goalie. No mm-hmm. one thinks he's the best goalie in the league. No one thinks he's the worst goalie in the league.
2: All righty, we are flying through. Question seven. Uh, this is the predictions section, and I want to hear realistic, best case, realistic, worst case. And so, this can involve, you know, plane crashes or a shitty prospect comes out of nowhere, like a rookie of the year sort of scenario. None of those are allowed. Realistic best case and worst case.
3: All right. The realistic best case is that everyone on the team, despite their advancing years, stays healthy. Oh, fountain of youth theory. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. This is something that hasn't happened for a few years. They've really they've struggled with injuries to top guys like Zach Parisi. So the best case scenario is all of those guys stay healthy. A couple of guys who were former give the keys to the kids guys, like Charlie Coyle, bounced back from disappointing years last year. And I'm not saying that they're going to break out and score 55 goals apiece, but they are also healthy. Coyle was hurt last year. You know, Niederreiter was hurt last year. There's the best case scenario is there's a lot of health. There's a lot of guys who bounce back. They are deep enough to have three good forward lines their defensemen are good Dubnik is solid again and it all comes together to give them a chance to make some noise against Nashville and Winnipeg in the first round of the playoffs so best case is some noise the best case scenario is Dubnik gets hot right at the start of the playoffs everybody's healthy and they actually beat one of the teams that everybody loves in the playoffs, and actually do something good. That's the best case scenario. That
2: sounds fun. It sounds good. Uh, one of our uh, our uh, friend, missing friend, RIP, Chicken Fingers' uh, favorite lines, uh, as you just sort of alluded to it earlier, is was uh, give the keys to the kids. This was what five years ago. Where his theory on the wild Or theory, point of view, whatever Was the older guys Were not as good as the young guys Just let the young guys play uh, And let them fly and we'll see what happens What has happened to those To the kids Have, are, are they all still around And they just didn't really pan out Quite as much as we were hoping Or No, not I mean, necessarily
3: uh, Chicken's favorite guy, Jason Zucker Had a career year last year He scored 35 goals, I want to say I can't remember the exact number he was the That'll second work. leading second leading scorer on the team. Um, like I said, Charlie Coyle was hurt last year. He was he had surgery on both wrists at the same time at the end of the season. Which, oh my god! And he started the year by breaking his leg. So you can't <laughs> you can't say that we saw saw the true Charlie Coyle last year. the The same thing happened. I. Now I'm wondering if I'm getting Coil confused with Niederreiter Because he also had leg problems They couldn't both have broken their leg in the same year Could they have?
2: You're getting them confused with that guy from Office Space
3: (laughs) Yeah, maybe (laughs) Well, Neo Niederreiter Was out there jumping to conclusions Um
2: (laughs) That's the worst idea I've ever
3: heard (laughs) Oh Good flick Um Jonas Brodeen, the, def- the defenseman, he had kind of a rough year. He needs to have a bounce back year. Matt Dumba signed a new contract, also a defenseman. He was quite good. It looks like he's going to be playing on the first defensive pairing with Ryan Souter this year. So hopefully that means he'll get a lot more time. Um, the kids, the kids are fine. The kids are all right. Uh, the, kids are all the, ba- right. the okay. baby deer, Mikhail Groundland, um, he, he might sneakily be the key to the wild season because they really need him to step up and have like 65 assists this year. Just come out of nowhere and be an amazingly dominant assist guy and score 25 goals and stuff too. So there's a lot of guys who really need to sort of take that next step that we're all hoping for.
2: What about a realistic worst case scenario?
3: The worst case scenario is that this team full of old people succumbs <laughs> to injuries, which we're all old people, and I think you know how that goes in your uh, My
2: Achilles heel has been hurting me for, no exaggeration, eight months.
3: Right, right. Because was it like a repetitive thing, or did you take one wrong step eight months ago?
2: I played... Basketball every weekend for three months for about an hour. One time I had more time and played for two hours and it's never stopped hurting.
3: Right.
1: You are so an idiot.
3: They have <laughs> it's
2: late January last year.
3: They have a lot of guys who are our age and hoping for all of them to play full seasons is My God. slightly foolish, I think. It's
2: so borderline mental illness.
3: And as I mentioned, they have They have nobody in the pipeline. So the worst-case scenario is that this is year one of the Wilds' 22-year rebuilding plan. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Every Yeah. Yeah. For for 14 years in a row, their old GM, Chuck Fletcher, at the deadline, would try to make that one killer move that pushed him over the top, and they'd trade for a middling forward, and they'd trade away a first-round pick and a second-round pick or something like that. Just... Every year they did this until they ran out of first and second round picks, basically, and so they they have nobody. They have nobody in the system. And then last year, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, in order to get them to take one of their two good young players, they traded Las Vegas the other one of their good young players. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> uh, both of those guys had great years in Las Vegas, and the Wild are hoping they need everything to go right this year they need um, they've got they got a pair of sevens in the poker game and they need some other sevens to come up because that's the only way they're gonna win this oh my god
2: all right well okay uh, that was question seven that's great now we're gonna move on to broader NHL stuff beyond just the wild. Uh, question eight, are there any new NHL rules that are going to make it more interesting or cool rookies that we should be aware of?
3: Multipuck? Uh, the, the cool rookie this year is a defenseman, and it's hard to get excited about the cool rookie. There are a number, of, there nope, are a number of exciting young guys. Uh, Connor McDavid in Edmonton is amazing.
2: That's my guy. Austin I knew Matt, he was going to be good before anybody else.
3: Austin Matthews in Toronto is awesome. Wait a minute, that might be my guy. I can't remember. Um, yeah, no, it's it was McDavid. It's hard Mc to David remember was your guy guy. You. Okay, all right, cool. McDavid's my guy. Okay. Um, I don't think there were any major rule changes this year. I'm trying to think.
2: Well, that sucks. They should call me.
3: multi No No rocket skates this year, I'm afraid.
2: Uh, <laughs> Frictionless skates. Give me a break. Come on. That's brilliant. Um, okay, uh, question nine. Did I read this correctly? I honestly am not sure. The NHL is thinking about expanding an expansion team again.
3: Yep. There is, there's going to be a team in Seattle probably starting two years from now.
2: Is this, as a fan, that strikes me as um, uh, borderline hopeful, borderline reckless? Seems Why, like. Expand, please.
3: Get past the it, lightning round. Why is this reckless?
2: Is there that much amazing talent in the NHL right now that you can have a whole other team? Because you just said that the Wild, who were a pretty good team, they sound like they suck.
3: Well, you So now we're going to water it down more? But last year, the the expansion team last year that was theoretically made up of everyone's cast-offs went to the Stanley Cup Finals. So clearly there's a fair amount of talent just hanging out there. Is that a rule or is that an exception team? Well, it's it's obviously an exception because it's never really happened in the history of professional sports, but <laughs> Yeah. I, on the other hand, I think the interesting thing was they had a lot of guys who were sort of seen as the baseball equivalent would be quadruple A kind of guys. Guys that mm-hmm. maybe they were skilled guys but their coaches didn't trust them or whatever and so they sort of got buried on third and fourth lines. And Vegas took them and put them in situations where they had actual responsibility, and it turned out these guys were actually amazing. So I wonder how much of that... I, I mean, obviously there was some dumb luck that went into it because you don't get to the Stanley Cup Final as an expansion team without some dumb luck, but I wonder how much of that is true generally in hockey, that there are a lot of guys... Who for whatever reason just don't get a chance to play with other skilled players, if you see what I mean? Because if the coach yeah. decides you're a fourth line center, you're going to be with two guys who can barely skate, and that's over. <laughs> that's exaggerating. But uh, just the other day, there was there's a guy who's going to play on the fourth line for the Wild, but in a preseason game, he was on the first line for a while with two good guys, and he was like, "This is way different. They don't expect you to just." Dump the puck in every time you get it across the uh, red line. They actually expect you to pass to somebody and try to make a play. This is fun. And I wonder how much of that will be true when Seattle comes into the league too, that they're going to have those guys that are stuck with less responsibility, whether it's a guy on their, they just, the top lines on their team are stacked or the coach just doesn't trust them because they're young or whatever. And those guys get a chance and can actually make some noise. I guess we'll see. Well, just th- the aesthetics of the sport,
2: Well, is it going to change? Let's say, just for example, they had like 40 teams or something. Right. They just realized like, hey, you know, uh, yeah, of course, the, the talent's a little bit more spread out. But overall, the quadruple-A guys you're talking about are good enough where they can keep up and it's not going to be this insane um, top-heavy league or whatever. Is that a – huge because there's some sports like i can imagine football that being an absolute disaster like if you expanded to 40 teams some of the awful quarterbacks it would you wouldn't even want to watch it it would be so fucking bad um and basketball they talk a lot too about like the you know obviously these teams would win 90 percent of games all of a sudden because they're playing all these awful teams so there's two sports that i feel like you can't it, it'd be risky but I, I don't know if hockey is necessarily the same thing. You could probably make a valid argument that baseball could expand and it'd still be generally entertaining. Like the AAA teams are a lot of good guys on those teams. So yeah. is that a concern with hockey? No, I
3: think I think hockey is more like baseball. In yeah, I, I think it's possible to play. I I think it's possible to play more guys in hockey without a noticeable drop off. Now, let's be honest here. I'm not exactly a hockey scout. So. Wait, wait, you're not a hockey scout? Maybe the, the people who know the game, maybe they'd be like, oh man, that'd be total garbage. Can you imagine if all of these quadruple A or AHL forwards were coming up and the, the amount of back checking would be terrible or whatever the problem <laughs> would be. I don't know enough <laughs> about the game to right. actually know what the problem would be. To my sense, I probably wouldn't notice a big difference, but it, I think it's more like baseball than it is like basketball where there's just so many guys on the team that switching out one guy for a slightly worse guy is not going to make a lot of visual difference
2: right yeah that does make sense to me uh, okay last question in our lightning round uh, who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup
3: I think I, yeah, I actually do think Nashville is probably going to win the Stanley yes! Cup Stew's Purds. Hi, Purds. I'll give you. Do you want to hear the top. I'll say the top six teams that everybody agrees have a shot at it?
2: Hmm. We are getting away
3: from the QA format, but I'll, I will allow it. Okay. In the West, everybody thinks that Nashville and Winnipeg and San Jose are going to be good. Mm hmm. In the East, everybody thinks that. Tampa Bay is going to be amazing, and then beyond that, there's sort of a group of teams that may or may not be amazing. Boston, I'm, I'm getting past the top six already here. There's sort of a group of like Boston, Washington, Pittsburgh, and uh, Toronto that everybody agrees are going to be good, but I think the consensus pick is that everybody thinks Tampa Bay is going to be awesome.
2: So I noticed you didn't say anything about our beloved Vegas Golden Knights. I, Total just flash in the pan. No one believes I, it.
3: I think every hockey writer is required to think that they're doing something subversive by picking Vegas to not make the playoffs. And then they all double check with each other and they're like, oh, God damn None, it. Of, us, <laughs> none of us pick Vegas to make the playoffs. Coldest so I would take say in the planet. They are widely expected to be competitive because I don't think anybody thinks their division is going to be very good besides San Jose. But. I don't, I don't think I saw anybody that was like, Vegas is coming back, baby. They got all the talent.
2: Gotcha. Hmm. hmm. Well, that is the last of my questions. John, great behavior. Really good. You stayed within yourself. You didn't try to do too much. I really appreciate it. Very this good. This was nice. You.
3: This was way better than you just saying, hey, how about the wild? And I would still be talking.
2: Got <laughs> to. And- <laughs> Sweating, yeah. yelling,
3: literally pounding sweat your fist pouring on the... <laughs> down my face as I discuss I whether talking? Matt Reed or Matt Hendricks belongs better on the left side of the fourth line. <laughs> and, and again, this is just the first of the lightning
2: round Q&As, but we need to do this for, these, for our, the topics that I noted for each other just to save ourselves. So we'll when yeah. we do the Wolves yeah. preview in a couple weeks here, uh, we'll make sure that we do that as well. Um, That's I good. did have.
1: Can I get? Can I get one follow-up question to John on the wild preview, please? It'll, it'll be quick. I'm sorry. Um, now, last year's team uh, made the playoffs, and their flaws were pretty comprehensively exposed. Is that correct? That's correct. And in response, they changed nothing about their system brought in like a young guy, a veteran and just changed some things in the margins. Is that correct?
3: <laughs> they fired the general manager, hired a new one to clean house who came in and quickly concluded there was nothing he could do and he just had to ride <laughs> it out. Okay. that that
1: that is my follow-up question is the new general manager Mike Zimmer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I am waving. I'm doing a parade wave <laughs> in in my little office here. I'm so happy with that joke. That's, really oh, good. God, that was beautiful.
2: Really good. The setup, the amount of the time, uh, it yep. was just really just, kudos. That was
3: perfect. And I uh, I leaned straight into it. Oh, that could sure have gone did.
1: better. You, you set me up perfect, man. You were the cart eye oh. of that joke.
3: If we had planned it, it would have gone far worse. You're going to be <laughs> murdered soon by chicken
2: fingers, well, that's but okay. you died that's okay. doing what you loved. Exactly. Making jokes. Making
1: yeah. jokes. Yep. To a very low right, audience, think should... but it made me happy. And that's <laughs> important.
2: Unappreciated in your time, you and Joe Maurer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. We should call it, I think. Put I think we one. should
1: call this. Uh, we didn't even talk. That was the first Vikings reference of an hour and a half podcast. Oh God, the season is just gone. Oh, no, I forgot. We forgot, uh, we
2: forgot uh, to talk about him. We'll definitely get to the Vikings very cool. soon, promise. We will. We, we promise.
1: Have, we may
3: have to start doing this podcast more than once every four weeks. No, I'm, yeah. I'm in, I'm in yeah. Chicago
1: Friday through Wednesday, so um it's gonna to be tough next week, folks. I can maybe try to sneak one in on Thursday, but it's gonna be rough unless you guys don't need my five minutes of interjections every every hour and twenty minutes Wait. or so. You're it saying ties you, the don't whole room wanna, together.
3: you don't want to call in from Chicago. <laughs> I,
1: I could
2: bring I'll, your laptop, bring it, your it, uh, microphone.
1: It, it's sports related too, so it's uh, you know that's uh, kind of a fun part of it. My uh, uh, Borat voice. My wife is running the Chicago Marathon on Sunday. Oh, great. So, right. so yeah, Can
3: she's nice. Can we exciting. record a live podcast as you follow her running the Chicago Marathon?
1: <laughs> I, the most entertaining oh, yeah. part of the most entertaining part would will be just how she feels on Monday um, have, having run a couple marathons before just uh, she's basically a red fox on the next day just <laughs> literally just ambling and just oh god take me now Jesus it's just it's beautiful um, But yeah, what I, want, awesome.
3: what I want from a podcast standpoint is I will call you every 20 minutes
1: mm-hmm. and
3: at the start of every call you're going to take a shot of my lord oh god yeah <laughs> Uh-huh. I did some last and, weekend. Oh God, just the worst. By the end, by the end of this marathon, you're going to be Red Fox. Oh God, <laughs> it's going to be podcast gold. Gold, I tell you. Melord tastes cherry. like
1: Malord tastes like watching your parents fight. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This has been a great three minutes for Stu. we got to record hour and a half long podcast more often. Stu comes to we ask Stu questions?
1: Well, so no, so I, had n- I had nothing to contribute, obviously, about The Wild, and I had nothing to contribute, obviously, about um, being at the Joe Maurer game, whereas John had actual expertise and passion. I just had dick It jokes. was a
2: John-heavy sewed. It was a John-heavy yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Which know, is It was great. It I loved be. it.
3: Don't put yeah. that in the title. People will skip it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's about soccer it's about soccer and god. hockey and he's going to talk about how rugby is a better version of football i oh, don't believe no. that by the way i don't believe that
2: stop your hate mail uh okay cool well let's uh let's get the hell out of here
1: great idea let's do that let's go all finish right, watching that already right, stop all right goodbye everybody. now go vikings hi
3: i'm daniel founder of pretty litter